Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Historically Speaking Sports Podcast, where we celebrate the anniversaries of the greatest sports moments from back in the day. I'm Dana Augusta, your host, and I'm very appreciative and grateful that you took time out of your busy day to hear my rants and ravings about sports history. This week's show is a very special podcast because on today's show, I have a couple of special guests that has definitely shaped me as a man, as well as a sports fan and sports history enthusiast. And of course, our weekly top five, the five biggest events in sports to take place this week in history. This week, we're taking a look at the historical events that took place between the dates of June the 20th and June the 26th. That includes the U.S. men's soccer team scoring their first World Cup victory in 44 years, a team and a league getting a name change, and two NBA franchises winning multiple titles. And speaking of NBA titles, this week's shout-out goes to an NBA franchise whose dynasty was both impressive and mysteriously quiet, a lot like a superstar leader. And as a reminder, please subscribe to this podcast if you like what you hear here, and check out our Twitter page at HistoricallySP2 for your daily dose of sports history. And now, on with the show. And uh, today we have a couple of very special guests on board the uh, Historically Speaking Sports podcast. And uh, these two men are very important in my life. And um, let me go ahead and introduce them. First one is what I consider the official, unofficial member of the famed Soul Patrol defensive backfield of the Oakland Raiders of the 70s. Uh Unfortunately, he... Some things got in the way, and he just couldn't get, just couldn't make it with those guys. And um, of course, I'm talking about none other than my dad, hardcore Raider fan, Daryl Augusta. Daddy, glad to have you aboard. Glad to be with you, son. And the other guy that's on board was destined to be the replacement for Mickey Mantle in the outfield of the New York Yankees, <laughs> but. He had better things to do, I guess, and uh, didn't 
Um, didn't make it out to the Bronx right after the, the great Mick retired. And that is my godfather, Mr. Eddie Brooks. Eddie, glad to have you aboard. Nice to be with you today, Dana. All right. Listen, um, I'm glad to have both of you on. And uh, you guys are major, major parts of my life. And y'all are the ones who were very instrumental in me in becoming a, a, a you know, being into sports and stuff like that, both playing and um, watching it. Uh, Dad, first off, we all know you're a big Raiders fan, but at the same time, I also know that you have interest in other sports that isn't necessarily what we would consider mainstream. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm basically into uh, sports such as archery, fishing, uh, individual man versus the element type sport. Yeah, as many times as we didn't went fishing in the time, well, it's been a long time since you and I went fishing, but, you know, growing up, you know, and this, of course, being from South Louisiana, that's, you know, that's almost a prerequisite, you know, going outdoors and fishing and that sort of thing. And uh, what, nothing, huh? nothing is more relaxing than sitting out there on the fish pond and just, you know, you against the fish, you know. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a basic element right there. Now, our counterpart here, Mr. Eddie Brooks, is a big time. I mean, you, New York through and through. He's a New York fan all the way through with his Yankees, the Knicks, the Giants, you know. And you've told me so many stories about how you've loved the New York, all the New York teams and stuff like that. You know, tell us about that, your fandom of, the new, of, of all the New York teams. Well, I am a third-generation Yankee fan my grandfather, my father, and me. And uh, I passed that tradition on to my daughter, who was in fact uh, supposed to marry Derek Jeter, according to her. Now, of course, she's a little bit younger and hadn't met him yet, but that was her fantasy pick all the way growing up. Um, And we've had some, some great times with the Yankees, and especially... I could say me simply because I spent uh, 10 years before coming back to Louisiana in Boston. So you can imagine what that was like because uh, there is a fandom there in Boston, believe it or not. But uh, I've gone through some times. I've walked in the restaurants, especially with my Yankee gear on, which I don't have a problem doing. And I've, been, and I've been asked to leave. I've been <laughs> I can understand why. But but on a friendly on a friendly type of uh of basis, you, you know, refuse to be uh served by uh servers in the restaurant, all in fun and games and stuff like that. But there is a big, big rivalry in which I was a part of. Uh, but the best thing about being in New York is the fact that I could walk down the street on any given day and uh, when the Yankees are playing, somebody's going to invariably say, hey, what's the scores? I mean, you hear that four times walking two city blocks. Yeah. What's the scores? That's how much we are into 
our Yankees. Well, one thing that that's definitely that, 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 that brings back memories for me, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and um, indulge our audience in one of the greatest sports memories that I had in my life, and it was with the two of you. I was 16 years old. This is summer of 1989 when you and my dad orchestrated a trip for me to Wrigley Field when you were living in Chicago at the time. Right. And that was one of the greatest experiences any body that knows sports history would really, really enjoy. Um, I can remember how cold it was, for one. It was unseasonably cold, and my dad complained the whole time and uh, how cold it was and stuff, and he's not a baseball fan. But it was just being having this, the time spent with you two, which made it so, so, which made it just so much fun. I mean, me walking around and, you know, not a lot of typical 16-year-olds would really understand the enormity and the importance of that ballpark, especially with, you know, not only with the Cubs, but with the Bears. Uh, even though I'm not a fan of either one of those teams, uh, it was so much fun, and especially spending it with the two of you and listening to two of you argue the whole time. That was that would made it fun for me because I grew up with the two of you arguing all the time, <laughs> all in fun, of course. But you know, that's just how I liked it. No, uh, I think I think the reason Eddie and I argue so much is because Eddie is he's a he's a I love the boy dearly. But he, he tends to exaggerate a bit. Oh, my God. And, Here he goes. Here he goes. Here he goes. Here and, comes uh, the self-embellishment. Watch out no, for it. Here comes the self-embellishment. No. <laughs> Somewhere down the line, it's coming. I'm not, I'm not coming to do I am not doing that today, okay? I'm going to be nice today. I'm not going to let the general public know how you are. But anyway, uh, it was a joy being at the game with you, okay? It wasn't necessarily a joy being frozen to death by Eddie, uh, but it wasn't enjoyable being with you. Well, well uh, I appreciate that. But you didn't have to lie, no, but that Eddie didn't have to lie to me about it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and one thing about it, y'all, is that, you know, you got to understand growing up, with these two, every Christmas, they would come, Eddie would fly in. You lived in Chicago for most of my life and then moved to Boston. But he would always come to Louisiana for Christmas to visit his mom. And he would come to the house all the time. And would he and my dad would talk and lie and all of this stuff about high school stuff and, and, and everything else. And that's just, it, it, as a kid growing up, I'd like, oh, what, you know, as a kid, you're like not really appreciating what you're really seeing and, and experiencing. But as I've gotten older, I wish I could just go back in time and just listen. And, and I love when y'all two argue about stuff, you know, and then it's just especially about sports and stuff and, and, and what people did in high school and what they didn't do in high school and stuff like that. I think that is like the crux of your friendship is just the fact that y'all bang on each other so much is what is just something that I really love. Well, <laughs> because he lies. He does not <laughs> want to face the reality of my really sports upbringing. I mean, he has swimming to um, talk about. He was a better swimmer. Okay, he can say. I mean, he, but what I understand, I mean, he was an outstanding swimmer. 
for what well, I he was there. I, I'll put it like this. He was a better swimmer. Okay, I'm better. Getting... You can't swim a lick. You couldn't swim a straight line to save your life, boy. Okay, well, fine, fine. I'll give and you. As far as, as far as diving, the only diving you can do is falling in the water. Well, okay, now you've had your say on the swimming. I've acknowledged that you were better swimming. I'm now, a better tennis player than you, too. Okay, all right. And I think it has to stop there, really, because... No, I, it doesn't have to stop there. I'm just a better human being than you are. <laughs> well, you know what? That's debatable. We could take a poll on that. Uh, yeah. Um, Ed, uh, uh, Dana, did uh, Eddie ever tell you the story about my bachelor party? I don't know if we really want to get into that at this juncture. <laughs> <laughs> what I'd like to do, Dana, because you know my time is kind of short. Yes, and, I do. Uh, um, I would like to talk about a couple of um, of great sports m- moments that I've had. Okay. the pleasure of just sharing, if I may at this time, without interruption. <laughs> I don't know if that could be done. But anyway. No, it um, can't. It can't. It can't. Uh, well, please let me go on with this, okay? <laughs> I um, I was living in New York at the time. However, I came to Chicago and ironically took the same job that I was going to take in New York, but I took it in Chicago work, working for the state of Illinois. So at any rate, I, um, I met these fellows and stuff and they knew I'd come from New York and I was a avid New York fan or whatever. And of course that was the early period of the Bulls and and what they were doing. And um I got into this discussion with this guy and it was several of us talking. Like the Knicks had made the um had made the playoffs but they hadn't gone all the way. And that had this had to be 72 because they won the championship in 73 with Willis Reed who I consider probably one of the one of the most underrated NBA champions of all time. Of course, of course, of course. Now, I got a little beside myself in that discussion, and I bet this guy a hundred dollars that the Knicks were going to win in '73. Of course, the the season hadn't even started yet, <laughs> and I had a chance to think about it. But I said, I'm not going to renege on this bet. I am going to challenge him. And I threw it in his face time and time again, even when the season started. Okay. And you know the results of that. The 73 NBA champions, New York Knickerbockers. Now, and that was a highlight for me. I mean, it was a kind of testy one because, uh, how do you prognosticate? But I managed to do it. Anyway, it's luck. <laughs> well, the team wasn't luck because it was a damn good team. Uh, and I had faith in my team. Another story I'd like to share with you. Okay. And then I'm going to turn it off. Okay. Um, I was living in Boston at the time. However, I knew my daughter had not had an opportunity to ever visit Yankee Stadium. So my girlfriend and I decided that she was coming up, but we were going to get tickets. And um, I have a very dear cousin 
in New York, so I invited her too. I got tickets for her. And we went to this game. Now, my all-time really great baseball player and gentleman athlete is Derek Jeter. Okay. Now, (laughs) this was 2005. As we all probably know as sports sports enthusiasts, especially baseball, Derek Jeter had a round of 340, 350 average with the bases loaded. However, had never hit a grand slam. Something came over me that day, and ironically, playing the Chicago Cubs in an interleague game. Mm -hmm. Derek came up and went yard. Wow. I mean... I mean, the stadium went wild, went wild. I couldn't believe it, but that was probably the greatest sports moment I could say I participated in, in seeing this history unfold before my eyes because it was the only Grand Slam he ever hit. (laughs) The only one, even with the high percentage of driving men in, he had never hit a Grand Slam. And that Derek, was it. And I got to say, Gary Jeter is a good player. No, he was a good player. He's retired. He was a good player. <laughs> he was a good player. Okay. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, that was an inspiring moment. That would have been an inspiring moment for me if I was a baseball fan. Well, the thing is, he wouldn't have known the difference because he wouldn't have known. See, I'm trying to be nice. No, no, no. I'm just saying you wouldn't have known the stats involved and everything. And well, no, because I don't, I don't follow stats. That well, you don't follow baseball, period. And that's true. Uh, and you think it's a I, very boring. Uh, I grew up in a, I grew up in a family who uh, was also somewhat a New York. Uh, participant, y'all, y'all there? Yeah. Okay. My father was a originally a Brooklyn Dodger fan. Later yeah. became an LA Dodger fan, and he was one that, would, uh, as you can test, Danny, if baseball came on, everything else in the house had to stop. Especially if it was the Dodgers. Especially if it was the Los Angeles Dodgers growing up. It didn't matter what was going on. The the, the television had to turn to the Dodgers. Period. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole thing is, if I interject here, your father understood the game. Okay. The average individual, especially today, unless these kids are playing baseball, they get the general idea and everything, but so much goes into the game of baseball. Yes, it's a very patient game. It's not always fast like football or or any other sport or basketball. No, you don't have that in baseball. I mean, you know, you know the batter steps out, the pitcher steps off the mound. Uh, they check runners on base, everything else. It's a lot of strategy that people really don't see. Now, I did have the fortunate experience of having lunch 
in a soul food soul food restaurant in Chicago, a very famous soul food restaurant. I don't think it even exists today. However, there was this gentleman sitting down, apparently had finished his dinner. At that particular time, even in the early 2000s, no smoking in restaurants or whatever. He pulled out his cigar, lit his cigar. He wasn't challenged or anything like that. When he lit that cigar from across the room, I looked at this old gentleman who was in his late 90s at the time. I knew who he was. Double duty Radcliffe. Wow. Double duty Radcliffe. I told my girlfriend, I said, I know who that old man is. You know, she kind of turned around and she looked and, you know, she was trying to make the connection. Well, well, how did I know him? I mean, she was from Boston, so she didn't know She had no way of knowing who I knew in Chicago, of course, but she could see that, hey, wait a minute, he knows him from, from, from some sports realm or whatever. And I went on to tell her, that is double duty Radcliffe from the Negro Leagues and stuff. And uh, now her son is a Yankee fan. She's a Yankee fan. Her whole family are Yankee fans or whatever. So it kind of clicked at that particular time. I said, I'm going to go over and introduce myself to this man. I cannot, uh-uh. I can't let this opportunity not pass, you know, without me saying anything to him. I went over and met this man. And he was a very proud man. Mm-hmm. And to know that I recognized him, me being of another generation. Yeah. And he really loved it, okay? And we chatted, we chatted, we chatted. He gave me his phone number. Wow. And do you know, we would go to White Sox Park and watch games together. He would take me with him to watch games. I have been in his apartment for too many times to count, seeing old pictures or whatever. See, that would I be remember, my that would be my heaven right there. If you know, I, if stuff I like was, that, memorabilia and stuff like that from the Negro Leagues. You mean you, I, you kidding me? I, I was in heaven speaking to this old man, sharing time with him and stuff. Now, he and I would go to a baseball game, okay? Now, this um, voluptuous young lady may be walking in the stands or whatever, and his whole mindset would go away from the game. (laughs) Man, did you see that? Whatever. I'm trying to get into the game. I'm trying to see what's happening. His runners on bases, whatever, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, he clicked back and said, oh, the pitcher's going to throw him um, outside and low because he uh, he's going to try to get him right there. But the thing is, okay, the batter has to move this ball to the left side of the diamond and, and blah, 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 blah. It was like he previewed what the play was going to be. Not one time, not two times, 
but he could sit there and do that and say exactly what needed to, what was going to, and what did happen and why it happened. Now, you could imagine me as a baseball fan, how much I learned from this man. I mean, I watch television right now. I'm watching the game or something like that. I can call the next pitch. I mean, if the pitcher's going high or whatever, he's going to keep him high. Then all of a sudden, what is he going to do? He's going to drop it low. He's going to drop it low on him. And the batter is looking for something, what, high Mm -hmm. or right at the letters. No. Bam. He's going to do, he's going to pitch him outside, inside, and everything else. And with all the analytics that you have today, well, that helps pitchers too. It helps batters as well. But, I mean, to be in this man's presence and stuff. And I have to honestly say, and I don't mind saying this, when some of his relatives realized who he was or whatever, they drew closer to him. Wow, right. And what happened was, hey, I just fell back because I didn't want them thinking I wanted anything except the knowledge this man was spitting as the kids say, you know, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's all it was about for me. Right. That's I awesome. want that, 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 that is just, I can't say enough about that story. That that's, that's impressive. Yes, yes it is. That, that, I mean, that's impressive. You know, now we kind of like running out of time here real quick, but the one thing that I want to say to both of you gentlemen is, but, but before I do that, Daddy, is there any closing things that you want to say? Um, I'm bashing me. What's that, Eddie? Nothing. Go ahead, Daryl. <laughs> no, I want to know what you said. I said, do you have any closing remarks without bashing me? No, I'm not going to badger you today. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, uh, it is interesting to hear about your story about Double Duke. I had never known about that. That is fantastic. I am I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud to know that you was able to do that. Well, okay. thank you. Uh, that still doesn't change the fact that you're not an athlete. Uh, <laughs> okay, moving right along. <laughs> uh, but it's been a pleasure being with you, Dana. Uh-huh. Uh, I, uh, I can't imagine one. <laughs> I said it was a pleasure being with Dana. It's a pleasure being with you, okay? Because, uh, uh, as you know, I they got a few stories I can say, but it has nothing to do with sports about you. But that's beside Let's the point. Let's just keep it clean, gentlemen. Let's just keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in closing, I would say. But I know it's, I know keeping it clean and keeping it civil is kind of difficult with the two of you. But <laughs> but uh it's been a pleasure being with the two of you. Uh and I think that uh this has been a rewarding experience for me that I can go down, I can go to my grave remembering this time. All right. Having one foot in, I could understand. You, I got you. I got one foot in. You the one that got the asthma problem, not me. <laughs> you the one that can't breathe. But I'm not as old. Why as you are you not have? wearing your mask today? I want to know that. Man, be quiet. <laughs> uh, 
but, but at any rate, Dana, yes. I mean, I think your audience has sampled what, oh, oh I can't use that word, um, how energetic your father can be. <laughs> yeah, he definitely can be energetic. That's not, that, there's no doubt about it, you know, and, um, but again, gentlemen, I really appreciate having both of you on and uh, feel free to come back whenever you like. Uh, you, you're, of course, you know, of course, y'all guests are mine anytime because of who you guys are. You know, you know, Daddy, you've been an inspiration to me. And Eddie, you've been just as much of an inspiration to me. I like to tell the audience also, um, my dad is my role model and has always been my role model. And he's been, been like that. My, he, to me, he was the strongest man in the world growing up, you know, all as, you know, just being, being serious for a minute. And Eddie was the guy who I most wanted to be like, you know, and you guys have been heroes of mine throughout my whole life. And I just wanted to let the world know about both of you. So that's the reason why I put this together to share your thoughts, to share your thoughts of sports and fatherhood and all of that. So you guys are two great gentlemen, and I really am glad to have this opportunity with you guys. Well, thanks. In closing, in closing, I like to say, go Raider Nation. Oh, whatever. I'm <laughs> <laughs> going right yeah, where they are. Everybody knows I'm a Chargers fan, and the reason why I'm a Clement Chargers fan is because of the father-son rivalry. So, Go Raider Nation. Whatever, man. Oh my god! Oh my god! How many championships have the Raiders won? It doesn't matter. It doesn't I, matter. I'm just asking a question. Who was, who was more? What team was they most afraid of back in the '60s? Oh god! People didn't even want to play us. We're in the '60s and '70s. We don't, get back there again. we don't live there no more, man. <laughs> so we will get back there again. Vegas will prove that. Oh my god! I don't think so. And I David think so. doesn't think so either. No, I don't. You don't know what the hell you're oh, yeah. talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, to tell you a story, I told someone that when I die, the man said I want them to, to contact the Oakland, the, the Los Angeles Raiders or the Oakland oh, Raiders God. or the Las Vegas Raiders oh, God. and have them come to my funeral. Oh, God. You know why, Eddie? No. Because I want them to let me down one more time. <laughs> and they will be able to accomplish that no doubt no doubt about that no doubt <laughs> and you notice I didn't mention my giants oh, at, the, at the helm with Daniel Jones who I absolutely have no confidence oh, in <laughs> the giants are a waste of time I'm telling you <laughs> But I tell you what, the best thing y'all had was was uh, yeah, them. you don't even know. Uh, uh, but I tell you this, I'll bet you a hundred dollars right now, the Giants uh, will win a championship before the Raiders will. Well, we both will, we'll both be dying. Before okay, that. do you want to take that bet? <laughs> we'll both be dead before we can collect on that debt. <laughs> I doubt seriously we're gonna win. It. In our time. Y'all going to win a game? No, we're going to win the NFL championship in our lifetime before your Raiders do. I don't think so. Okay, well, well, then, so you don't want to take the bet. All right, I, I don't think, that. I don't bet. I don't bet on things like that. 
okay. Because <laughs> there's too many variables. There's people. There's too many people on that. Now, if it was a one-on-one -on -one competition, it'd be a different story. I have somebody to bet on that. Oh God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is what I grew up with. This is exactly what I grew up with. Isn't this fun? <laughs> stupid. It's stupid. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's stupid. Because he has no rhyme or reason. Uh, I don't have to when I'm talking to you. At all. I don't have to have because you don't have any rhyme or reason. Oh, God. I Okay, Dana. Uh, <laughs> Well, once again, fellas, I really appreciate that, Eddie. I know you got to get going because I know you got things to do, and I know that my dad has things to do as well. But holy really, practice! Yeah, yeah. Work. Eddie is a um, semi-pro uh, bowler, and uh, he, he's on his way to bowling practice. So I wish him the best of luck. And you, you got y'all got a team name or, or anything like that? Well, actually, uh, on my summer league, it's. Uh, a cousin I'm bowling with and her husband. So the name of our team is actually Cousins. <laughs> uh, now, funny about that is in the fall, our winter league, okay, it's the three of us plus two other guys. It's a five-man team, right? Okay. And they are Cousins. So the name is really appropriate to keep on that team too, cousins. <laughs> <laughs> one one thing do for all, right? That's that that that's yes. it's, it's economical. That, that, that's yeah, economical. It's economical. Right. economical. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to buy too many shirts like that. No, yeah, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> well, fellas, I really appreciate you joining me today. And um, ladies and gentlemen, once let me introduce you guys again. That's my dad, Daryl Auguster, who joined us today, and also my godfather, Mr. Eddie Brooks. Guys, thank you for so, so very much for joining me today. Well, it's well, been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure, Dana. And I'd like to come back and maybe we can do a one-on-one -on -one about sports uh, and challenge each other or whatever. No, that'd probably, be a one-on-none. That'd be a one-on-none. Probably... Uh, <laughs> As we have our conversations during the weeks and stuff, you know, we analyze games and situations and stuff. And I truly enjoy that. Well, I always do. Always. Yeah, thank do. you. Thank you so much, man. Dad, Let me tell you something, young man, about you. I'm okay. cutting you off to say this about you. I don't know why in the hell um, you're not on ESPN as well, because I don't know anyone who really. Uh, is just so far above your talent and your head of knowledge that you shouldn't be a part of that. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I mean, quite true. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Oh, yeah. Now, I, appreciate that. I will bid you guys farewell and adieu. Uh, and uh, thanks for having me on today. All right, I'll see you thanks later, lot, man. Thanks a lot, Dad. Thanks a lot. And we'll be right back.
welcome back to the show. I'm Dana Augusta, your host, and you're listening to the Historically Speaking Sports Podcast. And before we get on with the rest of the show, one sign that we're definitely growing here at the Historically Speaking Sports and the Sports History Network is that we have a sponsor, and that is newspapers.com. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a serious sports fan like me. And if you are into sports history, you definitely need to check out newspapers.com. At newspapers.com, you can get access to over 640 million pages worth of news from the United States, Canada, England, Scotland, Ireland, and more, dating back from the 1798 to yesterday. Get a one-week free subscription to newspapers.com by visiting the sportshistorynetwork.com slash newspapers. And with a paid subscription, you'll also be helping to support the production of this and other great Sports History Network shows. That's sportshistorynetwork.com slash newspapers. Also, please check out our Twitter feed at HistoricallySP2 for your daily dose of sports history. Also, you could drop us a line or two at our email address at historically.speaking.sports at gmail.com. And finally, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you hear this podcast so you can get new episodes whenever they come out. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dana Augusta, your host, and you're listening to the Historically Speaking Sports Podcast. And right now we're going headlong into this week's top five. And this week's top five will span the dates of June the 20th through June the 26th. And we will discuss some of the biggest events and accomplishments that have happened in the realm of sports history between those two dates. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Number five, this week in 1994, the United States national soccer team claimed its first World Cup victory in 44 years, beating Colombia 2-1 in Pasadena. It was the first time that the United States would ever host a World Cup, and the game was highlighted by an own goal by Colombian defenseman Andres Escobar. Later in the match, the U.S. would make it 2-0 with a goal by Ernie Stewart in the 52nd minute. A side note, upon returning to Colombia after the team's elimination from the World Cup, Escobar was shot and killed outside a bar in Medellin, perhaps in retaliation of his own goal against the United States. They really take their, seri- their, their soccer pretty seriously in Colombia, don't they? Number four, this week in 1922, the American Professional Football Association officially changed its name to the National Football League. Also on the very same day, the Chicago Staley's, which had began life at the Decatur Staley's, officially changed their name to the more familiar Chicago Bears. The name change was announced by their coach and founder, George Hallis. Number three, this week in 1988, the Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Detroit Pistons in seven games to become the first team since the 1968-1969 Boston Celtics to repeat as world champions of the NBA. James Worthy was named the series' most valuable player, and the series is most remembered for Isaiah Thomas' gussy performance during Game 6 and 7, 
playing on a severely sprained ankle. Number two, this week in 1964, future U.S. House of Representative from Kentucky's 4th District and Hall of Fame pitcher Jim Bunning of the Philadelphia Phillies pitches a perfect game at New York State Stadium, beating the New York Mets 6-0 on Father's Day. Bunning is the only major leaguer to become elected to the Hall of Fame and to Congress. During his career, he pitched with the Tigers, Phillies, Pirates, and the Dodgers. And when he retired in 1971, he had the second highest total of career strikeouts in Major League Baseball history. And the top event this week in history happened in 1993. The Chicago Bulls become the first team since the Celtics to win three consecutive world championships. The Bulls behind finals most valuable player Michael Jordan defeated the league MVP Charles Barkley and the Phoenix Suns in six games. The signature moment came in the closing moments of Game 6 when the Bulls, down by 2, 98-96, found none other than, you guessed it, John Paxson, as he nailed a three-pointer to give the Bulls their third consecutive World Championship and ultimately their 3 P. So that concludes this week's Welcome back to the final segment of the show, which is this week's shout out. And this week, we will send a shout out to what I call the NBA's Invisible Dynasty. And that was the San Antonio Spurs during the 2000s and 2010s. During that period, the Spurs' level of success was unparalleled in any North American sport. To totally understand the achievements of this franchise, consider this. The Spurs had the best winning percentage of any franchise in the major sports leagues in the United States and Canada. Over the previous three decades, from 1999 through 2000, from 1999 to 2000 to 2016-2017, the Spurs won 50 games each season, setting a record of 18 consecutive 50-win seasons. In the 2000 and the 2018-2019 season. The Spurs matched an NBA record for the most consecutive playoff appearances with 22. Despite all of those accomplishments, however, the Spurs have almost been an afterthought in most sports fans' minds. Not to completely appreciate all that the team, all that this team located deep in the heart of Texas has accomplished and how successful and dominant this team had been. In the space of 15 seasons, stretching from 1999 to 2014, San Antonio has won five NBA titles. 
Only the New England Patriots have won more titles than the Spurs during that time. And just like the Patriots, the centerpiece of this run of success has been a coach that has a disdain for press conferences and a superstar who, unlike his counterpart in New England, is rarely seen but is universally loved by fans and opponents alike. Greg Popovich became head coach of the Spurs in 1996, taking over for Bob Hill, who no one saw as a major franchise-changing move. Even though San Antonio was a perennial playoff power anyway, with the likes of David Robinson and Sean Elliott, they were looked upon at the time as a team that was, for lack of a better term, soft. It could be argued that Popovich never made them tougher, but they quickly became more of a button-down business-like outfit. After a dismal 1997 campaign, the Spurs had the third-worst record in the league and won that year's draft lottery. With the top overall pick that year, the Spurs selected consensus All-American from Wake Forest named Tim Duncan. Popovich and Duncan would prove to make up one of the greatest coach-player tandems in league history. And they would become more than just a playoff fixture, but a championship contender almost immediately. By 1999, the Spurs with Duncan, Robinson, Elliott, and veteran point guard Avery Johnson, they became, an, they became the first former ABA team to reach the NBA Finals. And after five games in the NBA Finals that year and on the floor of Madison Square Garden, the Spurs won their first NBA title, denying the Knicks of their elusive championship. This would be more than just a one-time championship team. The Spurs would continue to dominate the league in a way that no one had seen or, or more, more importantly, saw coming. With the additions of Tony Parker, Bruce Bowen, Manu Ginobili, the Spurs would have a nucleus of players that, would undo, that were undoubtedly great players, but were more in the typical Spurs fashion that they were very understated and very businesslike. San Antonio would win championships in 2003 versus the Nets, 05 versus the Pistons and 07 versus the Cavaliers and a young LeBron James. After losing to LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and the Miami Heat in 2013, the Spurs would avenge their loss a year later with a five-year triumph thanks to another enigmatic player that the Spurs were known for, San Diego State product Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs' dominance during that 15-year period makes them one of the best dynasties that the NBA has seen but what makes this one different, in my opinion, it was that it was its least knowable. And that will conclude this week's show. I would like to thank everyone for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HistoricallySP2 for your daily dose of sports history. And also hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Dana Augusta, and I will definitely talk to you soon. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. 
Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.